Are we live? Oh, we are. I can hear myself. You can hear. Uh, well, welcome to Skid Row Chatter. Let me tell you a little bit of theme music before we get started. All right, welcome, welcome to uh, Rock Talk Radio. Give uh, Road Chatter. Talk 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 and uh, welcome to Fabulous Dallas, Texas, where I am sitting with uh, the now world famous Robert. And uh, we're going to chat about the of his book and future plans. But one of the reasons I wanted to. Thank you on this because this is, you know, my report uh, from the field uh, at the convention. Is I was curious about your success and how it felt coming back around, seeing with people. Do you feel like, <laughs> is it weird? Is it uncomfortable? Uh, no, no. Uh, look, every now and again, I get someone who's like, and I'm like, are you doing this because you want to blur? But, uh, for the most part, it's, um, you know, this is my seventh voucher con, so, like, it's, like, this weird sort of, like, found family at this point. I do feel like, people treat you a little bit different since uh, you, you got the Holy Grail. Okay, you know, and, and so this is interesting. Um, I, I've definitely gotten a few people who there's been a little bit of that, like, gritted teeth, like, oh, I'm so happy for you. This is so great. Um, and, and, and I want to be very clear that that is not a common thing. It doesn't happen often. But it's also, you know, I get it in a way. It's like things, it, it's everything with the warehouse has been incredible, and it's been pretty much what we all sort of aim for. So it's, it's on one hand, it, it, it's giving me the opportunity yeah. to do something that, that, which is start sending the elevator back down for people. Yeah. You know, so like when we got the people on, you know, you think I always had that mantra. I asked for a better one to know, and you gave me one. You're like, I can't use that much. But I want to know what you want. But I think it's true that you're in the middle of the year. I know you for several years, and what I've noticed. Is that you have a really good writer of your work ethic? So, anything uh, that comes your way is, is you know, earned and, uh, and, and, like I say, well deserved. I read the book and it's awesome. Uh, and it's and it deserves all the praise it's getting. Um, but uh, it's also, you get to come back to your drive. Uh, what, what, what is the term? The hunter gather that comes home. <laughs> you know, a hero, right? I guess. Um, I mean, it's nice to look. I mean, we're all we're all telling this weird line between being introvert and being narcissists. Because you know, on one hand, you know, I think we picked writing as an expression of our our artistic selves because we we like being able to spend a lot of time alone. Um, but we're also narcissistic in the sense that we think that what we write is important enough that other. So. Uh, it's an interesting mix of like walking around and like people are like pulling me aside to talk to me about it and like it's exciting and it makes me feel good because we all want to be the bell of the ball 
but there's also that point where like by the end of the day you just feel sort of like tapped out where it's like you're trying to you're trying to give a little bit of yourself to everyone and by the end of the day you're like i just need to sit in my room and just stare at the wall for like 10 minutes um and, and it was always something i kind of noticed uh with like authors who were you know on, on on a little bit of a higher plane like i would always be like oh why aren't they hanging out down at a bar why aren't they doing that and it's like oh because sometimes you need that decompression
Yeah, because it's only gotten crazier and weirder with the with the world. Yeah, yeah there, there was, was uh, uh, there was an article in Lover Jones in 2012 uh, by a journalist, Matthew Collins, who got a job in a filming center, and she wrote about how terrible it was. Where you know you are, you've got these rates that are really hard to make. If you call in sick, they can send you home, and fire you, and uh, it was really really unpleasant. And yet people are lined up around the block for these jobs because they've set up in economically depressed areas so that they're the only game in town. So it's either you work for them or you work for no one. And I read that article and, and very viscerally thought, there is a book here. And, and to what you were saying before, too, the reason I, I it really sat on the back burner for a long time, but the reason I finally pushed myself to do it is because I knew someone was going to get to this. You know, it felt like it was becoming more and more sort of relevant. And I do think... Had we gone out with this book, if if, if I had started it in 2012 and, you know, gone out with it a few years later, I mean, granted, on one hand, I wasn't a good enough writer to have written the book at that point, but I don't think it would have had the same impact because it was too early. I think now people are much more cognizant of these issues, and so a lot of things worked in my favor in, in, in this whole deal, and one of those things was certainly the timing. Well, it's I mean, it's Future is weird. It feels like almost the present in a weird way. Yeah. But it's got all the qualities of, you know, it's, it's got the sort of uh, fully realized moral qualities or something like Logan's Rise of For me, more than anything, I know you've probably heard it a bunch, but uh, uh, and truthfully, it felt a lot like 1984. It's got that great of, you know, that the whole world that people are submerged in is. Uh, is it, frightening and real, and I think it's it's an important lesson that uh, I hope people are are taking from from reading it. And you know, I don't know I don't know what, what uh, action can be taken uh, after you know absorbing it, but uh, but it's frightening as a, as a person who works in an industry that's uh, subject to the, like I said the fast progressive star rating system, and it's it just it's so much more prevalent and. Uh, it's just not, it's not time. Yeah. It's a good time to work. You know, I do think that, that uh, I, I, I've been reading my reviews, which I know you're not supposed to do, but I do anyway. And uh, one of the things that a lot of people write is that it's making them rethink how they interact with the economy. And that's all I ever wanted. Is I wanted, you know, I, I, I never wanted to pretend like I've got an answer that there's an easy solution for this. There's not. But I think that what we can do is be a little bit more mindful in how we purchase goods, how we and, uh, you know, everything's got to start small. If we can be more mindful, that's a good first step because being mindful could lead to smaller steps and smaller steps can eventually lead to bigger steps. So, well, I definitely noticed in my own life, my, my wife, for instance, you know, for a while, we're like, you know, it's awesome to order something and getting it the next day and getting just by and, and gone back to that entirely. And we try not to get anything delivered. And that's more of an environmental question than anything, but it really crosses a, 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 a lot of uh, different sort of uh, problems that we're, we're starting to, to see, you know, because you're right, it's, it's, you're getting bigger <laughs> thing, yeah. you know, and, uh, and more powerful. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not healthy. Well, there's, there's, you know, the problem is, I think, is that there's this empathy gap where, um, you know, we, we know, the two of us right now, we know that our smartphones are manufactured under conditions that would be illegal in this country. But we buy them anyway because they're shiny and they're convenient and they're fun. 
And we don't have to look to deliver from Shenzhen and the eye who actually made the phone and was working like a 12 hour day around noxious chemicals without appropriate protections. So, you know, we, 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 we sort of collectively decided that our comfort is worth someone else's discomfort. And, and that disconnect right there is the problem. Yeah. So I think that if we can just start thinking about that gap a little bit, you know, that's the thing that's going to start taking us in the right direction. And speaking of how that, how, how we get to that place, you have a really sort of villain. What would you call Gibson in the book? And what is his sort of a place? In my mind, he's one of the great villains because his uh, philosophy he espouses. And uh, for those who haven't read the book, every uh, couple of every actually it's not really chapter because chapter is pretty big. Um, he has his own sort of little soliloquy. And uh, you captured so much of that uh, libertarian philosophy and all those, you know, catch lines and things that they say, well, yeah, that makes pretty good sense. And that's all, all right. But hearing it in the perspective of the book, realizing that it's utter complete bullshit and it's a way to keep everybody down. Yeah. 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 The, uh, the book did not work until I got his voice. Because um, originally it was just Axon and Zinnia. And, and, you know, writing the book from the perspective of two people who are oppressed by the system is okay. Um, but it, it was getting Gibson's voice in there so that he could then litigate the company and litigate the history of what he was doing. That really made a big difference because Cloud, the, the, the company Cloud was so big, it became a character. And because it became a character, it needed a voice. And having his voice so that you can, you, you it really forces you to rethink a lot of that stuff because he's not always wrong. You know, ultimately he created a terribly oppressive system and I am I'm, strictly of the feeling that billionaires should not exist. And I do think that, you know, having that much money and, and paying your workers so little should be criminal. But at the same time, you know, he completely rebuilt the economy around in, in basically in, in his image based on his philosophy. And, and that's sort of that, that's the thing that's very much at the root of the American dream is that, you know, anyone can do anything if they work hard enough. And, and that's why we sort of lionize these figures like, uh, like Steve Jobs. Like Steve Jobs was famously an asshole. But, but, you know, you know because he invented the iPod, iPod, we all give him the pass. Um, 
it should not surprise anyone to find out that all the people who work for him are very nice. Um, I, I've been really lucky in the sense that, and, and this came up, we had the panel yesterday, and Karen Dion was talking about how like, she sold the option in her book, and then they were like, sayonara. And like, she, like, they're stuck in the sound out about because of like, trade announcements and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, but, but also sort of the way they think, uh, whereas they've been very sort of hands-on and like letting me know what's happening, and, and it's way, way, way to begin but uh, so I was in I was in San Diego for Comic Con uh, last uh, a couple months ago, and then drove up to LA to meet with them, and, and I met the screenwriter, and he ran me through the changes he wants to make, and they talked about casting ideas, and and, and again, like later in the process, but they made me feel sort of included. So the adaptation is the entirety of my Yeah, yeah. My movie and I feel pretty lucky to be. Including because I did the adaptation, so I, no matter what happens, your name's going to be on it, you know. Yeah. And, and, and so I'm so I got to speak not too long ago when I was like, come on, I need news, come on. Well, um, if you were any other writer in this situation, you don't, you, you wouldn't, like you said, you wouldn't hear from us. You, you know, we got to do what we do, and then because, and so the mere fact of that being sort of included in, in, in that process and the casting and shit like that, uh, is not. Situation not like yours, but yeah, and to be clear, too, I really, really feel like, like if, uh, so when, when Scott, a screenwriter, was here running me through the things he wanted to make, none of them were offensive, they were all things that I was totally on board with. Had there been something that I was like, oh, I really don't feel good about that, I, I really do not think they would have been like, no problem, there's crap. I think they would have been like, well, yeah. so, um, you know, I, I think I do believe it when they say when they tell them something like that. Uh, they believe it because it is their story. Yeah. It's odd. It was odd for me trying to hash stuff out with these guys and realizing that they knew my book better than I did. And and you know it was like people are feeling like if you just have that writer thing, you're still trying to explain your story yeah. and having to know exactly what page if this happened or what what the yeah. was out and, yeah. and plus the changes that were presented to me. None of those bothered me either. I was, I was totally expecting the uh, complete uh, reversal of, of characters and roles and all these kind of things. And uh, maybe I just got a good taste, or maybe that's you know, why they're, they're collaborating with you on your stuff. Not everything yeah. has to be a, a Hollywood bus job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it, it was it was fascinating having a conversation with them to see sort of the things that they keyed in on because they were like, oh well, this aspect we think works slightly better in screen, so we're going to amp up this and turn down this. And I'm like, interesting. Okay, cool. And like, and just, just the way they were sort of interpreting it and the way they they they, they had the vision for it because that's not my wheelhouse. That's not where I roll. So. I, I don't even know how to write a screenplay. Like, I want nothing to do with that. And so to see their their input was like, okay, cool. Like, this is fascinating to me. Just to watch that process play out. Um, uh, how many? Because I I really. Uh, how many words is this? Uh, 116, roughly. It came out 368. Yeah. So, with that in mind, yeah, the idea of getting it into a 110 page. Screenplay, it's just it's crazy. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's uh, uh, so uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see uh, how they go with it. But regardless of what happens, you know, it's like the Stephen King thing, and you know, all of his uh, books, he's made into shitty movies. Yeah, and he's got the, you know, all the 
to let it go. And I, if the book is always there. The book is still yours no matter what. There's, you know. Yeah, and, and the, the reality of it is, and, and, and here's where you get into the mercenary aspect of it, because this is what someone in, in the film industry told me uh, when, when all this stuff was going on and I was looking for advice. They were like, look, even if the movie is shitty, you're going to sell a fuckload of books. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I, I don't think they're going to be a shitty movie because it's, you know, Ron Howard and they're, they're professional, but, yeah. I would think... Somewhat of a, a project of passion for everybody involved because it is it's an important thing that's affecting our society now. You know, it's in the near future. It reverberates through all the shit that's happening. It's getting worse day by day. Like you said, a lot of the things that that you were uh, toying with in the book have come to pass while while you created, which is equally just frightening and interesting foresight on your part. <laughs> I think we're all a little shaky right now. I'm still like, man, I've not drank this much in a while. Uh, do you have a date for a set on the film? Oh, no. No, it's, it's, not even, no, it's not even in production or anything. Um, they, they they said they were aiming to have the screenplay done by the end of the year. Um, and they said they would let me take a look at it. So, you know, I mean, just because just to kind of see what it looks like. And you're wrapping Christmas presents? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but other than that, yeah, no. Uh, so right now, Ron Howard just finished his latest movie, which was Hillbilly Elegy, uh, which Netflix is putting out. And I think they're in post on that now. So, I mean, the fingers crossed thing is that, you know, he finishes that, the screenplay is done, he looks at it and says, okay, let's party on this. Um, but, you know, at the same time, Hollywood is, someone said this, and I thought it was really smart. Publishing is no, 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 until it's yes. Where in Hollywood, yes, 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 until it's no. And things can just proceed, and it looks like everything's going to, like, like, I've had people tell me, like, you will know this movie is a go when you are sitting in the theater and watching it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but the thing about, I mean, even though we're all, here in publishing business, prior, you know, there's that weird jump that when something does a movie, it doesn't matter what kind of, kind of movie it is, you just you become much more of a, uh, it's much more possible to become a household name. Like when people say, oh, you're a writer, I mean, they, they think something been made into a movie. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, uh, Rex with his adventure uh, before Fairland, you know, and his trials and tribulations with, 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 with that. You know, it's completely not what he originally wrote, but it, it kind of put him in that category of, yeah. you know. It goes to the so that's that's the future. So uh, then it becomes what's next for you, writing. Working on that. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got I've got two things right now that I'm close to signing contracts on, so I don't want to say too much about them. But um, my next book and a comic book project that I'm working on with a buddy and um. So I'm actually in like this weird liminal space right now where I just want to like sign these fucking contracts so I can get to work. Um, because, because otherwise, yeah, yeah. Because otherwise I've just been kind of sitting around like I, like there are days when I'm sitting at home and I'm like, I guess I'll watch another movie. Like, like I'm ready to work, but it's just I just want to make sure all the, all the keys are crossed and all that. Yeah. The, the joys of uh, being in your head and figuring out what happens next. Yeah, I mean, and, and I've done research and I've done well, my outlining and, and we're all there. It's, it's the, the thing that's really different about this is that with, with, uh, with the editor who bought the warehouse, who, who I love to death and, and is a brilliant guy, he did, um, 
he did the Martian, he did Blake Crouch's stuff. Um, you know, we're we're working kind of collaboratively collaboratively on this. And so it's been it's been really different to be collaborating with someone so early in the process. So all my other books, I was like, I'm gonna write whatever the fuck I want, and then chips will fall where they may. Whereas now different and I have to make like, I really want to be sure that he's happy with the direction this is going but it also has to make me happy so we have to find that nice middle ground where we both feel satisfied and uh, and it's been it, it, it's been a different kind of process yeah I guess would you in the future consider going in that direction again See, here's the funny thing: is the next book is kind of speculative, but it's also very decidedly not science fiction. Yeah, it's you know the genre, the, the latest stuff has been so weird because, like in my head, this is still crime fiction in the sense that looking at corporate crime from a large scale, and 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 because of the, a lot of things that you know really are illegal that should be illegal. And, um, you know, it's, it's a thriller, which is crime fiction, but it's kind of sci-fi. There's some elements of, of things that don't exist today. And, you know, I just, I always talk myself on circles when people are like, oh, what genre is it? I'm like, it's got stuff in it. Well, it's got a lot of stuff. And it crosses over a lot of genres, which is one of the reasons it's great. But, uh, you know, one of, the, one of the things you said in the near future, and this, I will wrap up after this, but I do, I do want to ask this, because I was reading, uh, uh,
And just this weekend, there was this huge protest where New Yorkers are out marching. They're jumping, jumping turnstiles on en masse, like because they're basically saying, "Fix the subways. That's the problem." And I, and I, that gives me hope because it's like people see what the problems are and they're willing to do something about it. And I see that working on, on other places too. And I think that we're getting there. I think people are getting angry, and it's good to be angry. Yeah. Well, I think you know, it's disturbing when I see. Uh, you know, outside of the apartment building, a mountain of cardboard, and it's people ordering their, you know, a tomato or whatever they do. But yeah. Yeah. I got uh, I got the other day. Uh, uh, I got some medicine for my dog. To this day, they came in a box. Yeah. And it just, it, and it's insane. And I think people are clinging to that a little bit. And just yeah, press the board. So yeah, information, information is power, as depressing as it is sometimes. Um, well, I appreciate you coming in. Thank you. Let me do my uh, outro. Okay, well, and to all of you out there, I don't know when we'll be broadcasting yet. We'll just have to tune in and see. And uh, enjoy the rest of your November. I can't really hear, so.